Hello everyone, you're welcome to another episode of Ugo's Take and my name is Ugo Chukamadi or you could call me Uga Madi. Now today's episode is interesting as usual and it's filled with lots of things to talk about. Um, so first off, I'll, once again I'd like to thank everyone who's following on Spotify and listening and those who um, follow the link on Instagram, follow the link on Facebook. Um, so I want to thank all of you because the fact that you listen is why I continue to put out content via this podcast. So thank you all once again. Now we will dive straight into today's issues. Um, we'll be looking at um, Chelsea versus Liverpool. That's I think for me that will be played on Sunday, that's the 20th of September 2020. So something I think we should look at because it's I think the biggest game of the season so far i know we're just two games in to the season um it's the biggest game so far you could say it's a real super sunday fixture so it's um, a game that i would like to talk about also we'll also be looking at Gareth bale um the news that Gareth bale would soon be joining or the f- he will be joining spores imminently uh, on a loan deal from real madrid and um, it's a still it's long loan. Also, still on sports and football, I'll be looking at um, the new signings made by Liverpool. Uh, you know, some weeks ago, um, Klopp was saying something about other clubs signing players that they're owned by oligarchs, owned by countries, and and just like for me, I just felt that he was whining and. And crying, but um, that's neither here nor there at this point. But what's important, Liverpool have acquired the services of two players, Thiago Alcantara, the Spanish international, and that um, Swile used to play for or played for Bayern Munich. And Bayern Munich, um, and he led the midfield as they won the Champions League, as Bayern Munich, as the German side, won the Champions League. So um what do i think about his signing keep listening and of course diogo jota diogo jota the forward the wolves forward uh the portuguese wolf forward that was that has uh, recently been signed as well he was signed for uh 45 million pounds uh to the um messi side club so that's what we're looking at from the sports perspective and then we'll also be looking at the news some casting news from um the marvel should i say cinematic universe but it's for actually a tv series that maybe be on disney plus so those are things that we will be looking into so just keep listening and enjoying And now you're welcome to this real first segment of today's episode of Ugo's Take. And once again, I'd like to say thank you all for listening. This is the 21st episode of Ugo's Take. Can you believe it? I most certainly can't, but I'm very grateful for all of you who have been um, listening and supporting by your emails and your comments and just listening, like I said, because that's the most important thing that you're actually listening um, and I would also like your feedback. You can send me an email to ugostake at coolside.net. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter, stick ugo. You can also follow me on Instagram, that's ugostake. 
and that's U-G-O-S um, underscore T-A-K-E U-G-O-S underscore T-A-K-E follow me on Instagram now let's dive in straight to um, today's issues now first off we'll be looking at the transfer news the, uh, the stories that made the transfer news in the English Premier League and being dominated by two clubs one Tottenham Hotspurs and Liverpool now first off we look at Liverpool we look at Tottenham Hotspurs now Spurs is rumored or it's more than a rumor at this point because reports got from Sky Sports was that um, Gary Bell had left the training um, facilities of Real Madrid and has arrived London um, with the view to making the, the move to um, the London side now for me what does this mean and it's uh, meant to be a loan deal um, so for me what does it mean does this make um, sports title contenders does it make them top four candidates um, what does this mean so for me first off it doesn't make them title contenders obviously I think that should be obvious but then again when you speak up speaking about top four maybe maybe it could maybe it could maybe it could you never can tell because you have Son, you have Harry Kane, two um, very good players already, and then you have um, possibly Bill joining them to make an attacking front three. Um, one question you would ask yourself that comes to mind is the first question when you hear Bill who's going to win the club is one: Is it still the same Bill that left? Spurs, how many years ago? Seven, um, seven years ago, thereabout. I left Spurs and went to play for Real Madrid. It's the same guard Bell. You know, he has had his injuries, he had his woes with injuries. And so, what sort of player um, is Spurs getting at this point? You know, what kind of player are they getting? Are they getting a, a guard Bell that's fully fit, ready to go, that can give them 30 games? least a season and that's left to be seen really at this point is left to be seen no one can really say for sure if he would uh, uh, really play and then again you know the way there's the Jose Mourinho factor you know Jose Mourinho whichever club he's at he wants everyone to walk whether you're the biggest superstar or you're the least academy player that's joined team he expects you to work and when I mean work, I mean putting your defensive shift, putting a defensive shift. So, would Gareth Bale really be ready at this point in his career to put in that defensive shift? And even if he is ready, even if he is willing, which I doubt he would be, even if he is ready, even if he is willing, can his body handle it at this point? Can his body handle it at this point? And on the other hand, if he isn't willing to uh, put in a defensive shift, you know what happens? The, the Mourinho issue would come to play. It will be the ego of Jose Mourinho, which is always there, clashing against the ego of Gareth Bale. You know, and Gareth Bale has shown that he's a bit stubborn as well. You know, at Real Madrid, his doctor is gone, so he wasn't playing. 
he sat on the bench, you know, fair, fair game to him, um, it was um, Zinedine Zidane that didn't put him on the pitch to play, but he wasn't really the easiest person to work with um, from a Zinedine Zidane standpoint. So, that is the question. He's headstrong, Jose Mourinho is headstrong, so who is going to bow for who? Who is going to shift a little for who? And then again, it's not like it's a big money signing, though it's a big player that would usually attract maybe in today's um, football transfer market, probably attract 90 million pounds or 80 million pounds in transfer fees, but it's a loan deal and so Mourinho may not be under as much pressure to put him on the field of play um, as opposed to if he was or if it was a, a big money transfer maybe um, sports had bought him directly um, from Real Madrid for like I said 80 million 90 million pounds and he probably would have been more under more pressure from the sports board from Daniel Levy to actually get to play to actually play um Gary Bell you know so that's it and then there's the other thing that many people aren't considering on because under Pochettino or let's say from yeah under from Tim Sherwood who promoted um Harry Kane from the sports academy to the first to the sports first team to Pochettino to Jose Mourinho um, in his first season Harry Kane has been the man he's been the top dog he's been he's been the one everyone defers to whether Song whether um, Hugo Lloris everyone defers to Harry Kane who takes spot kicks who does who takes corners who takes penalties you know everyone defers to him now you have a situation where a player who has won more than he has won because as he went to Real Madrid I think he's won is it three four Champions League titles you know so he's and he's won league titles as well with Real Madrid so although you could argue that <laughs> maybe he didn't contribute that much to make to maybe one or two of those Champions League but he's won them and he contributed a, a little no matter how little you may think that is and it comes with a reputation of being the Welsh captain the, the captain of the Welsh and national team and he's come with the Liga titles under his belt and he's come with Copa del Rey titles under his belt and he's come with Champions League uh, um, tit- titles under his belt so what happens so what then becomes the dynamic between himself and Gareth Bale or, sorry, within, between himself and Harry Kane, that's between Gary Bell and Harry Kane. What becomes the dynamic? How does it work? Of oh, the first time Spurs gets a penalty and Gary Bell steps up to take it. Does that cause friction in the dressing room? You know, so well, I think that we have to consider as well that we have to look at maybe I might just be, uh, um, I'm not saying anything's going to happen, but maybe everything works out right and both uh, players are real professionals and they put the team before their own personal egos and everything goes swimmingly and that will be 
that would be very good for not just sports but for the Premier League. But one thing I want to just stress that we should think about because everyone is saying, oh, that puts them in in the running for the title or puts them as sure candidates for the for top four finish for a top four finish. Gareth Bale that we are getting isn't the Gareth Bale that was unleashed on the Premier League seven years ago. You know, it was rapid, very fast, direct, and fit as well. So he was fit. Now he's older and a little more, should I say, injury prone, but still a fantastic player, good technique, awesome abilities on the ball. You know, can still run, but not obviously not as much as he he would have been able to run six, seven, eight years from now. That's that's obvious. So all in all, let's see how it goes, and hopefully he is a good. He becomes or turns out to be a good signing for the uh, um, sports team for Jose Mourinho's men. So that's it for. Um, the sports side of things now let's move on to the other transfer um, news that have made the rounds this week now we're talking about Thiago Alcantara and Liverpool no this has been like um, a poorly kept secret everyone knew that he was poised to leave um, Bayern Munich and then go on to join Liverpool you know everyone was uh, you know bonded we're talking about it even um, Jurgen Klopp was a bit coy about it when he was asked. He said nothing is final until the announcement is made, which is true because you don't want to um, disrespect the selling club, as Chelsea learned. Should I say, up to ten years now, but a few years ago, uh, when they were to sign Robinho, and it was the whole information around it was mismanaged, and then Real Madrid decided to pull the plug on the transfer. So I got. I get the whole secrecy and trying to be respectful of Bayern Munich. Now he's joined um, Liverpool from Bayern Munich for a fee of twenty-five million pounds. Now in this transfer window, or rather in this era, not just this transfer window, that should be seen as a snip. You know, should be seen as a bargain. You know, look at his abilities, a Champions League winner. He's a Bundesliga winner, you know, so he's got the man's talent. And he's the type of midfielder that I feel Liverpool needs, needs, you know, to add something different to their midfield. Because when you look at Wijnaldum, when you look at um, Henderson, um, the midfielders that all about running, energy, you know, high press, high octane football, even navigator, you know, high octane football, the high press. But they all, all Liverpool midfielders, all of them put together, lack the ability to unlock. This may seem a bit controversial or sound a bit controversial saying they, they won the league at the counter, but they won it a different way. But one thing they lack is the lack that midfielder they have been lacking that midfielder that has the ability to unlock defenses unlock tight defenses you know so what happens when the team 
packs uh, four uh, two banks of four behind the ball what do they do do they have someone to unlock the defense and i think the signing of tiago um, alcantara you know is something that i think would add a different depth different dynamic to just just a style of play and he'll be able to help control the game better in the midfield and also pick out passes you know so it's one player that was wishing my club chelsea football club was able to sign or would have been able to sign but you can't have it all you can't just have it all but that would have just made chelsea's midfield um complete you know would have made chelsea's midfield complete so um Kudos to Liverpool for getting the job done and getting Thiago Alcantara over the line and we'll be seeing him in the Premier League. So thanks Liverpool for uh, giving Premier League fans that delight. Now the final transfer news that I'll be talking about on today's episode is Diego Jota moving from Wolves for uh, remote field or reported fee of £45 million to Liverpool. Now. Um, I think he's kind of like a striker, second striker-ish, winger type of player. So that being said, that may see him as a, an outright replacement of Divokorigi that he takes over Divokorigi's place in the squad. That's what I think. Maybe Klopp has different ideas. Obviously, would be better ideas, you know. And then he may be the long-term replacement for Roberto Firmino because he may have a similar role and he has a ability to play the, uh, 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 in a similar fashion as Roberto Firmino playing between the lines between the two wingers come attackers and he providing assists and getting a few goals himself down the middle so hopefully hope, hopefully we'll see what he does but I don't think himself and Thiago Alcantara will be able to make the Chelsea game and they may not be fit enough and you don't want to upset the apple cart all too soon especially maybe you've, been, you've had players training from Monday up till the weekend and you don't just want to um, switch things up you want the players to the, and you also want the new players to be settled in as well so uh, so to my mind they may not be starting the game or may not even feature in the game against Chelsea that will be played tomorrow um, so that's it for transfer news or not really transfer news but um, giving you an update as to um, transfer um, news that have made uh, uh, um, transfer uh, um, news have made news rather this this week so that's my take on that now like i promised earlier on before i go on to the actual um preview of the chelsea liverpool game like i said in the last episode i will be reviewing the last game you know the last game chelsea played which was played you know well between chelsea and brighton or or you'd say Brighton versus Chelsea because it was played on Brighton's um, home turf. Now, I got, I, 
to start things off rightly, I got the predictions right. I got this, I predicted the scores rightly. It was three goals to one in favor of Chelsea. But my lord, the performances, the performance put in by Chelsea was nowhere near, nowhere near a three, you know, nowhere near a three one win performance. Some people said um, Brighton dominated a few minutes in the first half and then Chelsea took over. No, for me, Brighton dominated possession play from the first minute of the first half up until the second half and then maybe Chelsea had 10-15 minutes in the second half and then they're able to to win the game which is a positive for Chelsea fans and Frank Lampard and the players that they were able to grind out a result to eke out a result but then for the performance that was zero I would if I'm scoring anyone maybe I give Werner five because he made some decent runs in behind the Brighton back line he made good of uh, Jorginho's pass to win um, a penalty against uh, um, Brighton that Jorginho con- uh, converted from the spot also um, maybe give Zuma a five because he managed to score um, the third goal and he put in a decent shift I'll say not a fantastic shift not a very good shift but an okay shift I say oh well that's an okay shift and then with James maybe the same as well maybe five five um five five points out of ten you know he's he scored equalizer really quickly you know just about 100 seconds um after uh, Brighton had uh, had um equalized you know and now everyone that takes me to the next issue because everyone now is back on the Kepa um, hate bandwagon oh, get Kepa out just so can win the league with um, a keeper like Kepa and they keep people keep saying this now my point of view is my perspective is I'm not saying Kepa is a fantastic goalkeeper I'm not saying he's the world best goalkeeper but people just seem to I don't know whether it's convenient for people or pundits whether ex-players or just journalists commenters on the game fans I don't know if it's just a thing of convenience to ignore everything about Chelsea's play and focus in on Kepa and decide to um Honing on Kepa, blame Kepa for everything. Now you're talking about Liverpool. Oh, Liverpool signed Allison and they won the league. No, you don't just say that. Because, okay, Liverpool signed Allison, sure, and they won the league, sure. But who is in front of Allison? Van Dyke. Arguably the best defender in the world maybe the second third best defender in the world but he is in the conversation for the best defender in the world at the moment okay you talk about Peter Cech when he was at Chelsea right how did and they won the league he kept 15 he considered only 15 goals in the first um, 
title in the first for the first title win under Jose Mourinho in 2004 um, 2005 season. But what who did he have in front of him? He had John Terry and he had Ricky Carvalho, one of the most underrated centre back pairings in the history of football, in the history of the Premier League at least. Terry that would rather have his head kicked in than allow a, a goal be scored. You know, so you must have a good centre back pairing. And not just a good centre back pairing, you must have a good defensive system. You know, by defensive system, I don't mean packing 10 players behind the ball, but the way you deny the opponent the ball. Okay. At Barcelona, under Frank Reichardt, under Pep Guardiola, they were not the most ultra-defensive team. They didn't, never packed um, the bus, but they denied the opponent the ball with their passing, slick passing, possession play. They always denied the op- opponent, the opposition, the ball. But like, bright, like in the Brighton game, which I would say is the... <laughs> It's just his worst game in terms of performance under Frank Lampard. Chelsea could not hold the ball. The players could not string three accurate, precise passes. And then Kepa concedes a goal for, for, um, a shot taken outside the box. He should have done he should have done better. But he also saved he also saved uh, um, a shot that was taken from outside outside the box. He prevented a, a, a goal from being scored, but no one says anything about that. Okay, now listen, consider three goals because his defense wasn't on it. I think I said this in the last episode. Once your defense, once your team is broken down in shambles, what can you do as a goalkeeper? Nothing much. You, you can't do that much. What, and what do commentators, pundits think? What happens when a team continually breaks down, and as a goalkeeper, you're not quite sure what your, def- your, your the defenders in front of you would do. You're not quite sure if one is going to make a mistake. You're not quite sure if one is going to uh, um, pass a silly back pass. You're not sure. If one is going to be ball watching and um, and the player and the striker runs past him, so what are we talking about? It's simplistic to think, oh, just take Kepa out and then Chelsea becomes um, a title contender or a team that is sure of making the top four. It's too simplistic to think that way. It's too simplistic, and Chelsea. Frank Lampard would be really silly to think we'll just take Kepa out and we'll bring in Edward Mendy, who probably is a, is a good keeper, six, six feet, six inches tall, you know, so it's a massive guy and arguably a very talented goalkeeper. But still, if Chelsea still maintains the defensive inefficiencies, the, defense, the defensive deficiencies that they still display at this point, you could get Peter Cech, you could get in his prime, you could get Buffon in his prime, you could get Ika Cassius in his prime, 
and still Chelsea will struggle to make the top four and not even come close to closing the gap um, between themselves and Liverpool or Manchester City. So it's not a question of the goalkeeper, it's a question of the team's style of play. If it's possession-based football, possess the ball, hold the ball, pass, make accurate passes, let the play be coordinated, and then you can talk about the goalkeeper. If the one chance the opponent gets, it's a goal. And then you move on to coordinate the defense. Good thing the sign Thiago Silva signing from PSG. He's started training, but he may not make um, uh, uh, um, the game against uh, um, Liverpool. So, you know, that's my take on the Brighton game. It leaves room for massive, massive improvement. No one impressed for me. Havertz would get a pass for me from me because he's just coming into a new country. He's barely rested. He's barely acclimatized. You know, he's barely settled in, really. So, he gets a pass from me. Same thing with Werner. He gets a pass. He's just coming. Just got um, accommodate, Just got the living uh, accommodation in London. Trying to settle in. First game in. Not really had a, a pre-season. But a lot of room. Massive room to be... To be uh, uh, for improvement, rather massive room for improvement. So that's it for me with respect to uh, the preview of um, review, rather, sorry, <laughs> review of the Chelsea Brighton game. Now, moving on to previewing Liverpool v Chelsea, Chelsea versus Liverpool played at Stamford Bridge, the home of Chelsea. Now, and Frank Lambert is giving, he, uh, in the, during his uh, pre-match interview, he gave an up, some injury updates. Hakim Ziyech would be missing from the game um, due to injuries, still trying to recover from his injury. Thiago Silva would also be missing, though he's fit, but he's still yet training to get up to speed with match fitness. So, he won't be playing. Ben Chiwell as well is still trying to recuperate from the injury he had while playing for Leicester. I think he's done the surgery and it's all good on that front, but he's wanting to have healed, uh, uh, wanting for your injury as a football player to have healed is something else to actually be fit to move as a person, to actually move mobility run and also to be match fit as well. So, Ben Chihuahua well would be missing. Pulisic, I think, would also be missing for the game. But Werner does sustain a little knock. I think um, the Brighton game, while he um, he won the penalty for Chelsea, um, I think the Brighton keeper's knee and his knee collided. So, he um, got a slight knock and he had an ice pack over his knees. But thankfully, he's... His feet and wearing to go. Then Kai Havertz is fit as well, so they're all fit. All the players that played the game against Brighton will be fit and ready to go. And for Liverpool, 
um, they're good and ready to go. But these two new signings, Diego Jota and Thiago Alcantara, I don't expect them to make the team. But you never can tell. Club might just decide to throw them right into the mix. But for me, I don't think they are ready at this point. Maybe you wait a bit, get them training with the team, and get them back to playing. You know, maybe by the next fixture. But then again, you never can tell what your club may do. And these are professional footballers. They may as well be be fit and match ready and set to play. So that's it. Now, on the face of it, who is the favourite? Many would say Liverpool. Liverpool is the favourite to win the game. But for me, for the first two games Chelsea played against Liverpool, which was the UEFA Super Cup and the Premier League game at Stamford Bridge, Liverpool, don't get me wrong, it's a world-class side. I an impervious side but the little loopholes that Chelsea can take advantage of you know in behind the wing backs or the full backs for Liverpool that's one of their greatest strengths in that they are able to make the pitch bigger you know provide width for the team but therein lies the weak, one point of weakness in the Liverpool, in this Liverpool team, which is there's always space and a very big space in behind their fullbacks, especially Trent Alexander Arnold. He pushes forward, and there's a massive space in behind him, one ball over the top, and that's it. You know, so that's one area, and then again. You could seek to test Van Dijk if he's got his head back in the game at this point because he made some errors against Leeds United that saw Patrick Bamford get a goal against Liverpool and that ultimately saw Liverpool concede three goals. So Chelsea could try to put them to the test and really guard them. Don't make it easy for them. Don't let them be comfortable for a minute and keep the press. But it's left to be seen if the Chelsea players can actually be committed to uniform press, which means Werner pressing, um, Mount pressing, or Harvest pressing, depending on who starts, you know, Werner, and then the three midfielders in behind him, or the two wingers by his sides, actually pressing high up against Van Dijk and against probably Joe Gomez, and actually trying to beat Liverpool at their own game. Who knows? But at this point, um, Liverpool looked like the favourite. But um, I would go with my my heart over my head with this one. I would say Chelsea to win two goals to one. Fingers crossed. I know you'd be saying, Hugo, you're probably crazy. How do you think Chelsea would win Liverpool this season, <laughs> given the way they played against um, a side nowhere, nowhere, in nowhere near the level of Liverpool? You know the performance against a Brighton side. How do you think they'll win the Liverpool side? Well, I'll say you never know, and I'm just hoping against hope that Chelsea is able to bring their A game, raise their game, and then bring home a two 
uh, score two goals and maybe just concede one goal. So, so that's it for um, today's um, football sports update and review. Review. Uh, so next up, I'll be talking about Tatiana Maslany and her casting in the MCU universe as none other than She-Hulk. Hi, hi, hi. You're welcome to the um, third and final segment of today's episode of Ugo's Take. And it is some interesting casting news from the Marvel Universe because I, I can call it Marvel Cinematic Universe at this point because it isn't really from my understanding for the actual Marvel Cinematic Universe where you have your Iron Man and you have your Black Widow Thor it has nothing to do with the whole um, Endgame, Avengers Endgame and things like that so this is for the casting of She-Hulk you know the character who is Bruce Banner the Hulk or the Incredible Hulk as we old heads would would know him as you know the character is meant to be his cousin so um, straight to the casting news Tatiana Gabriel Maslany Tatiana Gabriel Maslany, a Canadian actress who really, really gave an outstanding performance in Often Black, a, a phenomenal TV series that I really, really enjoyed. I enjoyed watching the series from the first episode of the first season to the last. And her performance was just brilliant, brilliant performance because she had to play clones of herself that is clones of herself with different personalities with different traits and different looks and she really nailed 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 it nailed it she she crushed it so she has been cast to play she's been cast to play uh, she-hawk to be she-hawk in the marvel um, universe, should I say TV universe or series universe? And I'm guessing possibly it would be on Disney Plus uh, because I think the relationship between Marvel and Netflix at this point is basically out the window because shows like Punisher, The Punisher have been cancelled. Shows like Daredevil has been have been cancelled. Shows like Luke Cage have been cancelled. Shows like Iron Fist, Iron Fist as well. Whether or not the relationship um, between Marvel and Netflix ended, that was a show that needed to end because for me it was just horrible, terrible um, to watch. And back to the resume of this actress. Her role in Orphan Black saw her won a Primetime Emmy Award, a TCA Award, two Critics' Choice Award, and five Canadian screen awards the girl can act that's what's important for me whenever casting is made first 
does the actor, actress in this case match physically what they're talking about the, the what the character is nails it she does and secondly even more importantly can the actor actress in question actually act and as in case you didn't hear the last time she can actually really act so i would love to see her um take up this role you know, I'd love to see her take up this role. I saw a comment on Instagram. Someone was saying, look wise, she doesn't really uh, match the character. For me, that's just really, really a silly position to take. Well, it's your right to take the, the, the position. It's your right to have the opinion, whoever you are that um, dropped the comment. But I think it's wrong. Your opinion is wrong. But it's your right to hold it wrong because I think Tatiana is a damn good actor she's a wonderful actor brilliant skill and she's shown she's got chops to play angry crazy which you expect when um, she transforms into She-Hulk and then the mild mannered person when she's a human self so for me this is great casting news and the only downside for me is it's probably going to be on Disney Plus. Does that mean I would have to download Disney Plus? And apart from my own personal <laughs> personal needs, how about other people as well? Does that mean everyone will have to get Disney Plus to watch this? Possibly, possibly. You know, because the, the, like I said earlier on, the deal with Netflix is done. It's out the window. I'm, I don't think at this point um, Marvel will be bringing any of its new shows. To Netflix because it has um, Disney Plus, so most of your shows be going on to Disney Plus. So maybe um, it may be what having to download Disney Plus. But also, this brings some issues because while for, for someone like me, when a TV series is is going on whether it's in the same universe or not i'm able to switch off my brain and forget about the any other connect connecting link that should exist between the tv series and uh, and the movie universe i'm able to have that disconnect but what you have with many fans is they want always want to see this connectivity you know what happens with Bruce Banner show up, you know, would Mark Ruffalo somehow show up in this series? Or would Iron Man sort of show up in this series? You know, for me, I don't have that problem, but lots of people would have it, you know. And I also have a sneaky feeling as well, because in the comics and in the animation, animated series, there's actually an animated movie that is Wolverine versus the Hulk, you know, where uh, Wolverine as Weapon X is sent in to um, take out a monster that had been causing um, a lot of chaos and damage in a particular uh, village, and it turned out that it was the Hulk I was going to face. So I'm kind of thinking that I have a sneaky feeling that X23 would in one of the episodes would go up against she hulk that's what 
I'm thinking that's something they may do. And I'm actually up for it. I'm actually up for it. I'm looking, <laughs> looking forward to seeing it. X-23 and She-Hulk. But Jane lies the problem because, you know, the fans would want the, the actress, the girl that played X-23 in Logan to feature as X-23 in this TV series. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't have a problem with it, but lots of people would have a problem with it. But <laughs> in terms of age, getting her to be of the age where she can actually go up against the uh, She-Hulk, the character played by uh, Tatiana Maslany, that would be some sort of issues that I don't think that would really work at this point because she's still a young girl maybe in her early teens at this point and Tatiana is is older in the 30s so would it be believable if you bring such a little you bring someone that young to go up against you know so would that be believable for me once again once you said Adamantium Skeleton uh, Claws okay let's go let's be entertained so my general thoughts, I'm sure um, you already know, is it's a wonderful casting, excellent choice um, by um, the people over at Marvel, Marvel Studios, um, excellent choice by casting Tatiana Maslany to play uh, She-Hulk. And I'm waiting with bated breath to hear that shooting has started, but at this point, it would not start because you know practical to start new shooting you know i don't even know if there's even a story yet for um the she-hulk series because sometimes you have actors you cast and locked down and tied to an episode and tied to a tv series or a movie but you don't have a script yet and seeing that it's um a tv series or a streaming series whichever you want to call it you'd see that um, probably you have the scripts wouldn't be as complete as it would be if it was for a movie so once again don't want to ramble on and ramble on excellent casting by marvel waiting to see waiting really waiting to see <laughs> what happens you know in terms of the series and that means maybe i have to get disney plus because i'm I, I wasn't really interested in getting any more stream, streaming platforms onto my system. I've got way too much that is healthy for me. And so, anyways, I'll be looking forward to what happens next. So, that's the, that's the news. It was the casting news somehow. I've somehow overshoot at the time. But thank you all once again for listening and if you have any thoughts about what i've said with respect to the guard bill transfer Thiago Acantra transfer Diego Jota transfer the chelsea performance if you have your prediction because i've said 2-1 um, to chelsea against liverpool if you think i'm crazy you could drop a, uh, a message on in my dm on instagram is ugo's take as ugos underscore t-a-k-e on instagram or you can send me an email to ugos hyphen take at coolsite.net send me an email i'll surely respond to you you can also send me uh, a message on facebook as well you can like the page on facebook ugos take 
could also follow me on Twitter is Steak Ugo at Steak Ugo. And for sure, for sure, I will get back to you. And if you want to join the WhatsApp group as well, just let me know on either Instagram or Twitter or even on Facebook. And I will send the WhatsApp link to you so you can join and participate and let your voice um, be heard on my podcast. So thank you all once again on the 21st episode of Ugo Steak. I'd like to say take care, enjoy. And surprisingly here in the UK, the weather is bright and sunny. And after this, I'll be going for a wonderful walk. So enjoy and have a beautiful day. Thank you.